are uh, in, in the third Sunday of a, of, a, of a series that we've been calling Relationship Goals. If you have not been here, I highly recommend you go back and listen to these online because it's going to catch you up to where we are. And I, I just, I feel like every, every uh, Sunday before I begin this message series that I want to reiterate something that is very important, okay? At the beginning of the year, we felt like that the Holy Spirit was telling us as leadership that God was going to do amazing things in our church and in our lives and in our families. We read a, a scripture from Joshua that says, Sanctify yourself for tomorrow God's going to do wonders among you. And I really felt like that was a word for our church. How many have grabbed hold of that one? And you're believing for miracles in your own life, all right? If you haven't, then you need to grab hold of it. Joshua 3, 5, write that one down and go home and study it. It is a word for our church. And so as we began to get into this, this series, I kept feeling like the Holy Spirit wanted me to remind you that God doesn't just want to do miracles in your health, and in your wealth, and, but God wants to do miracles in your relationships. And I want to remind you that. Some of you feel like that you've gone too far. Some of you feel like it's just been the way it is for so long. Some of you just have kind of given up on certain people. But I want to remind you today, God wants your relationships to be blessed. Okay? Look at your neighbor and say, you should have amen that right there, Okay? God wants your relationships to be blessed. He wants them to flourish. God wants to do miracles in our relationships. I want us to keep that in our mind as we go through this series that the reason we're doing this is because God wants to bless our relationships. Relationship goals, we all have them. And we've talked for the past two weeks that what we want to see happen is for our goals to become what God's goals are for our relationship. Not just what we want, but we want what God wants, right? I want to I see what God wants to have happen in my relationship, happen in my relationship. Not just what I think needs to happen in my relationships. And this is broad. We're talking about every relationship that you have. Whether you're married, you're single, uh, you, it's friendships, it's, it's parents, it's, it's kids, it's sibling co-workers, church, whatever. We want you to take what's being shared over the next several weeks and pull it into the relationships that you have. Last week, we, we went back to, to Genesis because we believe that God creates things the way he wants them to be. And so we said, let's go back and study the first relationship. And let's talk about how God did things there and let's pull some things, some revelations out of that and, and plug them into our own relationships. And so we went to Genesis chapter 2 and 24, and we went old school. We went to the King James Version, y'all. You know what I'm saying? King James Version. Come on, let my old timer just say amen. amen. Y'all know about that, the these and the thous and, the, and that stuff, right? Uh, and so we want to go to it, and I'm going to tell you why I want to go to it, mainly because I love when things rhyme. So just bring that up. Genesis 2 and 24, Therefore shall a man leave his father and his mother and cleave unto his wife, and they shall be one flesh. God's goal for your relationship is oneness. All right? I'm going to say it again. 
God's goal for your relationship is oneness. So if you have a friend that you know God's brought into your life, you have family members that you know, man, there's something, God's put us together, you know, or, or you have, you have a, a, you're a, there's a spouse. God's goal for that relationship is for you to become one, not just close, not just, they kind of like each other, but for you to become one. One. Say it with me. God-given relationships are supposed to become one. All right? That's what God wants. And so how do we go in that? Bring that scripture back up for me. How do we get to oneness? And it's found in these two words. It's coming back up. There it is. Therefore shall a man leave. Everybody say leave. His father and his mother and shall cleave Unto his wife. So King James, because King James liked to rhyme, okay? And I want those two words. That word cleave means to cling to, to embrace, to hold on to. How many of you have a relationship right now that is like that? You just hold on to it for dear life. Raise your hand. All right, hold up. Time out. Time out. Guys, I'm going to give you all a hint, okay, guys? Right here, guys, if you're sitting beside, okay, let me try it again. Here we go. How many of you have a relationship that you just hold? There you go, guys. Come on. It was late. (laughs) And so last week, we spent some time talking about this first word, leaving. We talked about that last week. Again, if you were not here, go back and listen to that online because I did really good. I'm just going to tell you. No, I'm joking. Go back and listen because there was some good revelation and nuggets that I think are going to help you. And so this week, my plan was we talked about leaving, and this week I were going to get to the cleaving part, to the clinging. But during my sermon prep time and, and prayer time, I really felt the Lord just putting a little pause on it and say, we're not done with the leaving part yet. Because we can move so fast into what we want to embrace and what we hold on to that we haven't talked enough about the things that we need to walk away from. And so I feel like today is just one of those days that the Holy Spirit is asking me to speak on something. And listen, I don't say this a lot. I said this at 9 o'clock. I believe that this is going to be something for everyone This will be one of those messages I will go back home and I will re-preach to myself. I think it's going to be something for everyone. But here's what I feel. I feel like there are some specific people that are here today that this message is going to mean more to you. I believe today this is the kind of message that is going to move some of you forward, going to like motivation. It's going momentum. It's going to push you forward if you'll just grab hold of it, okay? So everybody with me? All right. Let's talk a little bit more about this leaving thing, which is the first step into relational oneness. Before we can have oneness in our relationships, we're going to have to do some leaving. And in Genesis 2, you notice that it it takes two relationships. It takes the parental relationship and the marital relationship. And it says that if you want to become one, then you have to leave your father and mother, and you have to cleave or cling on to your wife. Now, those of you that have gone through that process, 
you know, nobody ever says that. You're like at the marriage, you're not like, peace out, bye, we're gone, all right, yeah, come on. No, you don't, that doesn't, you don't, you, you try to make it smooth, right? Amen. Like, let's make this smooth transition. You, you date and then you're engaged and then slowly so mama doesn't lose her mind, you know, you're able to move into this process. So this right here seems a little like just, put, you know what I mean? Just like leave and cleave, right? And then, you, then last week we talked about the fact that Jesus, that he was teaching and, and his mom shows up and his brothers show up and start asking for him. And they're like, hey, your mama and your, your brothers are here. And he's like, who are my mom and who are my brothers? These, these disciples, these are my mother. And, and it seems harsh, doesn't it? It's like, why, why would you do that? But in reality, this scripture is an example of relational change. That's what it's an example of. And, and so will you move from one area of your life to another area of your life? And we talked about this last week, that a relationship that has been healthy can become unhealthy if it doesn't transition the way it's supposed to transition. Right? Let me just tell you something. You are not going to become one with your spouse if you still hanging out with mama all the time. Come on, Gwen. We missed you, Gwen. We're glad you're back. If you're living with your mama, all right, ain't nothing wrong with it, but I'm going to tell you, if you're living with your mama, it's going to be really hard for you and your spouse to really become one. It's just not, it's just, the, it's just a, a whole thing. This is symbolic of other relationships in our life, all right? It's symbolic that there are times that God wants to move you into something new, but you can't move into something new if you're still hanging on to the old. And I think sometimes when we talk about the old, we think that's just sin. No, that could be even good stuff in our life. Stuff that was good in a time, but now God is trying to move that into a, a, you're trying to move you into something new, but you're still hanging on to this. Can I get an amen today? All right, no, how about a heels amen? I need a good heels amen today. So before we can move to the cleaving, we still got to do some leaving. So I want you to take some notes today. And the first thing I want you to write down, if, well, hopefully you've already written some stuff down, but I'd like for you to write this down and underline it because I want to encourage you to do this. I want you to write down, re- reevaluate my relationships. Better answer that. Re- reevaluate my relationships. I want to encourage you to do that. I think this is something that we should do often. Uh, I mean, we're still at the first of the year. I mean, we're not even in the second quarter yet, so there's still a good time to reevaluate some stuff. At the first of the year, you reevaluate budgets, you reevaluate all kind of stuff, right? And so this is a great time to reevaluate your relationships, to stop, look at them, and make sure they're all where they're supposed to be. Last week, we also talked about the fact that your priorities determine your proximity. Now, let me explain what that means. The word relationship means where a person is in relation to you. All right? So, in other words, it means the proximity of that person in relation, or how close that person is in my life. Your priorities tell you what the person's proximity is. 
So if you value something in a person, you pull them closer to you. How many of you have ever had your priorities wrong? And I'm going to see if you yeah, how many? How many have ever pulled somebody close to you that probably shouldn't have been close to you? And how many of you have ever pushed someone further away that probably should have been a lot closer to you than they were? And so today is a day that we stop and we reevaluate. We look at the value of relationships, what they bring into our life. And then here's what I want you to do. I want you to start putting people in their proper place. All right? That's another thing to write down. Number one, the whole heading of this is to reevaluate our relationships. And then after you've done that, to start putting people in their proper place. And when you start looking at these people and you go, it is a priority for me to be around someone like that. Or it is, man, I do not need to be around that very much. Then what you start learning to do is you start learning to put people where they really belong in your life. In other words, there's some people in your life that you need more of them. And so find ways to pull them close. There are other people in your life you need less of. Find ways to distance yourself from them. Number two. Filter the influences in your life. Now, this is a good one. Filter the influences in your life. Make sure that the influences in your life have your values. Now, listen to me. This is important. Make sure that the influencers in your life have the values that you need to have in your life. Now, I'm not talking about, because I can hear you right now, but I'm supposed to love everybody. Yeah, I don't mean you got to live with everybody, okay? Matter of fact, some people you, need, you can love, but you need to leave. I'm not talking about the people that you're reaching. I'm not talking about the people that you're loving. I'm talking about the people that are influencing you, right? There's a reason it's called influence, It's pouring into you. It's affecting your life. It's impacting your life. Filter the influences in your life by, number one, making sure they have the right values. And then number two, making sure they have the right vision. Thank you, Brian. Values tell you where you are right now, right? What you value. And so you value something in someone, you pull them close, and that's where you are right now. That's telling you who's around you at this moment. But then when you get ready to move forward, you don't just need to make sure that the values are right. You got to make sure the vision's right too. Because you, you and I both know that you can be walking along with people that have the same values, but then their vision starts changing, Right? But I thought we were, yeah, well, we were, but that was back then. That's why we need to reevaluate relationships. You stop and go, wait a minute, are we still in the same vision? I remember years ago, I was living in Austin then, and there was a, a, a band that was here in town, and, and they, were, they just got signed by, by a, a big record company, and they were getting ready just to take off. It was like getting ready to go. And, and they called me in to give them some pastoral advice. I wasn't even living here. And I, I met them at the Starbucks at Bell Mead right there. I met right there. 
there. Yeah, let's go. You know, that's where I met you the first time. It wasn't Holly that I met with, but that's where I met Holly. We, and so we met there, and, and I remember asking them. They were, I, I said, all right, what is, what is your vision? And this person said, my vision. Okay, what is your vision? My vision is something. I'm like, ain't going to work. This is not going to work. What? What? No, it's going to work. We got the right label and the right managers. Yeah, but you have different visions. And sure enough, it wasn't a year down the road. Everything fell apart. Everything just because the visions were wrong. And you ever started off with somebody and you kind of have the same, all right, we're going together. But then little by little, degree by degree, you can find yourself going after completely Totally different visions. That's why it's important for us to reevaluate our life. Make sure that we're walking with people that have the same vision as we do. Even well-meaning people. Even well-meaning people in your life can mess you up. We have our, our, one of our mentors, uh, Pastor Mike Hayes, says this. He says it like this. He said, two visions means divided vision, which means division, right? Everybody say division. So you can be walking along someone that is a good person, well-meaning, but they're giving you advice that is different than the vision that you have for your life or God has for your life, and it can mess you up completely. I spoke with someone this week that's going through a tough time. And I said, all right, well, let's talk about what's going on with you. What's happening? And this person started listening. Well, uh, you know, I'm doing everything I know to do. I'm reading this book. Oh, that's great. And I'm reading this book. Oh, good, yeah. And I'm watching this person on TV when they pre. Oh, good, that's great. And this podcast over here. Okay. And then I got this. <laughs> and my brain was just starting to go. Because as he's listing this stuff, my, my wife and I looked at each other and we're like, these are... Every person she's listing have completely different visions. And the Bible says a person that has divided vision is unstable in all their ways. I want to encourage you. Even well-meaning people can bring division in your life if it's not the vision that God has for your life. You don't have to agree with it, but you can still amen just a little bit, all right? And then there's also not only there are well-meaning people, that can be an influence in your life. There's also people that don't mean well at all. There are people in your life right now that they have one goal, and that is to cause division. There are some people that are only comfortable in chaos. There are some people that the only way that they feel comfortable is if everybody else feels uncomfortable. Amen? Amen? They, they only feel like, and they have one goal, and that goal is to bring division, to stir things up. Look at this scripture in Romans 16 and 17. This is what Paul says. I urge you, brothers and sisters, to watch out. Everybody shout, watch out. Watch out. All right, that was kind of a, a, like a murmur. Everybody shout, watch out. Watch out. And that's important. We're going to come back to that. Paul said, watch out for those who cause divisions and put obstacles in your way that are contrary to the teaching you have learned. Keep away from them. I'm talking about those people that are always looking on the dark side of everything. Those people that are always finding the bad side of stuff. 
The people that are always cynical. And we joke about it. Yeah, that's it. But they're always cynical. They don't ever find a positive side to anything. The people that look for things to gossip about. They look for the bad. They question everything. Come on, am I talking to anybody right now? You got somebody in your world like that. Don't nudge anybody. That would not be the time to do that, okay? Paul said, watch out for these kind of people. That when you go after church to lunch and all they can talk about is, can you believe that she wore that? Good Lord. They sang that song two Sundays ago. Can you believe they sang it again? What was he preaching about? My God. Those kind of people that all they do is talk about the boss. All they do is talk about the coach. All they do is talk about each other. Paul said, watch out for those people. That is a good word. It's a hard word. Because all of us find it easier to talk about something or somebody than to stand up for something or somebody. He said, watch out. One translation says this, mark them and avoid them. Mark them. That word mark can also be found in Genesis. Cain kills his brother Abel and the Lord marks him. And says, everybody that sees you is going to know what you did. Mark. That's what he said. Paul said, if you find someone that's divisive, that's conniving, mark them and avoid them. But I thought we were supposed to love everybody. Yeah, love them. But don't have lunch with them. (laughs) It's going to help you this week. It's going to help me this week. There are some relationships that you and I need to have some distance in. Doesn't mean you got to take the axe to them. Doesn't mean you got to be brutal about it. It just means you stop putting them on your calendar quite as much as you have in the past. Look at this, Psalms 1 and 1. Blessed is the man who does not walk in step with the wicked or stand in the way that sinners take or sit in the company of mockers. That word mockers means uh, uh, scoffers, trollers. That's what it means. It means people that are just looking for something to fuss about or to complain about. Don't don't hang out with those kind of people. But here's who you need to hang out with. Those who delight in the law of the Lord and who meditate on his law day by day. How many want to be blessed? Come on, how many want to be blessed? Then this is how you're blessed. Don't hang out with mockers. Don't hang out with people that are always making fun of things and talking bad about things. But instead, find people that delight in the ways of God. Find people who meditate on the thing. Look at me. It is time for us to get away from some people. I'm going to give you permission right now as your pastor. And if I'm not your pastor, just pretend like I am today, okay? I am giving you permission to get away from some people. And you're going to watch your outlook start changing. 
You're going to watch as God starts giving you revelation and fresh life. And, and, man, and I'm going to tell you right now, it's going to be hard for some of you. Some of you find your, 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 your validity in that. Some of you find that's where you get your, it feels good to be around those people, even though it feels bad to be around those people. It's going to be tough for you. But I'm telling you, here's what we said last week. Your relational decisions are the single most important decision you will ever make besides making Jesus Christ Lord of your life. You can point back to the greatest failures or the greatest successes in your life and you can tie someone to that. Can I hear an amen? That you would have never made that mistake if that fella hadn't suggested it. Or you would have never made that amazing, brilliant move if somebody wouldn't have said something to you and partnered with you to make it happen. It is time to disconnect from unhealthy relationships. We read this last week, Proverbs 13 and 20. Walk with the wise and become wise. Associate with fools and get in trouble. That's pretty pretty solid, isn't it? Then the New Testament says like this, don't be misled, 1 Corinthians 15, 33. Don't be misled. Bad company corrupts good character. Paul said, you can have good character, but if you hang out with bad company, your character is going to be corrupted. You are not strong enough to handle that. You know what I'm talking about? Those folks that always puts you in a bad situation? Come on, I want you to sit up on the edge of your seat right now and listen to me, all right? Listen, this is important. Those people that always put you in a bad situation, they put you in that situation that you end up doing things that you're ashamed of the next day. You wake up feeling guilty every time you're with them. Why? Do you keep hanging out with them? Let me help you. Stop hanging out with them. But we have fun. Yeah, I know. And fun gets you into dysfunction. You know what I mean? (laughs) But I'm just looking for for the love of my life. Probably ain't going to find the love of your life there, okay? It's not going to happen. Looking for love and all the wrong I can feel it. Sometimes when I speak, I've been doing this for a long time. And there are times when I, I always love it, I enjoy it, I thank God I'm called to do it. I love it. But there are times like this morning that I can feel it. Like I can feel the Holy Spirit pushing on me. And I know there's somebody's souls being touched right now. And I know that destinies are going to be decided this morning. Simple, just like this. Because if you and I can get these relationships right, this relationship is a lot easier. And if you can get this relationship right, these relationships are a lot easier. That's why it's always tied together. The two greatest commandments, love God, love your neighbor, right? They're always connected. Don't say you love God if you hate them. And don't, it's, it's all connected. That's why God wants to make sure that our relationships are right. Look at your neighbor and take a deep breath and say amen. You know what I'm, I'm talking about? Those folks that always put you in that tempting situation. They're, hey, hey, try this. Hey, what if we, when you hear that, you're, oh God, here we go. 
Look at this. Here's what, here's what Paul told Timothy in 2 Timothy 22. Run. Everybody say run. You know, a while ago we said watch out. Okay, now say it with me on run real loud. Say it. Run. Run from anything that stimulates youthful lust. Instead, pursue righteous living faithfulness, love, and peace. Okay, great. How do I do that? By enjoying the companionship of those who call on the Lord with pure hearts. Come on, how many of you grown up people wish you would have done more of this when you were a teenager? How many of you wish when you lust showed up, you just said, y'all see that speed right there? Y'all saw that, didn't you? A mess. Run! How many of you old people wish that you, when you walked up and saw old lust, forget youthful lust, old people lust. You ran from it. Raise your hand. So all the young people, listen to me. Listen to someone who didn't run. Me. There are times I did not run. And I should have run. And it's some of the greatest regrets. All right, Gwen, hold up. I'm, I'm glad you're here, but let me, let me preach this. All right, come on back. Listen. Listen to me. There are many times I did not run from those lusts. And it is some of the greatest regrets of my life. If I could go back and do them over, I would run. But you know why I didn't run? Because I had a companion that didn't run. I had a companion that said, this will be fun. Let's try this. But the times that I've been with a companion that had a heart for God and everybody else made fun of them because they didn't cave into peer pressure. And they were goody two-shoes and too good for everybody else. And they were snitches when I was with them. And they said, Rags, I don't think you should be doing this, man. Come on. I didn't like it. I got upset at them. But that's some of the greatest choices I ever made when I had somebody that would look at me and say, man, let's not do this. Come on, let's not get in that car right now. Let's not go to that club right now. Come on, is this good for anybody but me today? Come on. Make good choices. And the reason you make good choices is hanging out with good people. And not just hanging out with good people, hanging out with godly people. I'm talking about, I, I, I want us to change some things where we're, we're moving away from people that, that we end up doing stupid stuff with. We're doing sinful stuff with. Because God has great things for you. How many believe that? All right, hold up. Let's try it again because I want to make sure I got a majority. How many believe that God has great things for you? All right, let me tell you this. Your destiny is directly tied to your relationships. God has great things for you. But the people that you are spending time with are either going to help you live in fulfillment or going to help you walk into failure. All about the people you're connecting with. Now look at me. Those of you that are married right now, don't be going to lunch today and say, Pastor John said, I got to leave you because you're crazy. <laughs> That's another story. That's another sermon series, okay? 
That's some more counseling, all right? It is. It's time for you and I to hang out with people that make us better, challenge you, push you, love you, encourage you, not tempt you, make you better. This is why godly people matter. Not just good people, godly people. We tell our boys, I don't care about you being good, I want you to be godly. Because good people don't change the world. But evil people don't change the world either, for the better. It's godly people that change the world the way God wants it to be changed. Look at this. Psalms 34 and 3. Oh, magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt his name Come on, say it. I want you to see this. This is why it's important that you're around godly people that are focusing on the same thing. It's so very important because there are places that you can go in your relationship with God by yourself that you cannot go with other people. Amen? that quiet time, that prayer time, that devotion time. However, there are places that you can go with God that has to be with other people. You cannot make it by yourself. That's why David said, let's exalt his name together because you can take the name of the Lord like right here on by yourself. But after a while, you start questioning and doubting and wondering. But when you get with other people and you begin to sing songs like your love never fails and our God is a lion. And you look across the aisle and you see somebody completely different than you that's walking through tough stuff. Suddenly, the name of the Lord just gets exalted more. That's what David was saying. That's why it's so important. This is why church matters. Listen to your pastor now, okay? Listen to me. Church matters. I'm telling you, Nashville, Nashville, man, it's where you go to church. This is the question I always ask people. Where you go to church? And right away I can tell when they go, oh, uh, trying to think of the name of it. You're like, eh, like this. You don't really go to church. Church matters. Look at your neighbor and say, church matters. Look at this, Hebrews 10. And 23, let us hold tightly without wavering to the hope we affirm, for God can be trusted to keep his promise. That verse really doesn't have anything to do with the point. I just felt like that's a good verse to read, okay? He can be trusted to keep his promise. But here's how I want to get to. Let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works. Isn't that different than hanging out with people that try to motivate you to do dumb stuff, make bad decisions, right? He says, hang out. Look at this. Let us think of ways to motivate one another. Let us do not neglect our meeting together as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. That's what church does. It's where you come together. How many of you, when you leave church, when you come to the hills and you leave, you get this feeling like, oh, we can do this. Come on, let's go. Let's go. May the Lord bless you and keep you, make his face shine upon you. I pray he blows your mind with his blessings this week. And come on, you walking out, the band's playing. How many walk out like, let's go? Raise your hand. Come on, let's do it. That's not because I'm a good preacher. That's not because the band is great. 
That's because you've just been hanging out with people that have the same vision and the same values. And you're all believing for the same thing. Come on, parents. I want to encourage you to make church a priority for your children. Make church a priority for your children. Make church a priority for your children. Make church a priority for our families. Look, you ain't got to be religious about it. Of course, my family was. My Lord, we were to church every day. I mean, it was like every day. Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night. Clean up on Saturday. Hey, come on, how many know what I'm talking about, right? You ain't got to be, you ain't gotta be uh, all crazy about it, but just develop this love for the house of God. We're going to church today. We're going to church today. Come on. We get to be around people. I'm with people all week. You, you with people all week that don't have the same vision and values as you do. And that's why you walked away drained and beat up and beat down. But that's why you come in on Sunday. You set a day aside to say, this is the day the Lord has made. It's going to be a Sabbath and holy to the Lord. Church matters. But not just church on Sunday. How many of you, when you walk out on Sunday, I'm almost done. All right, you ready? Stay with me. You walk out on Sunday, you got that, we can do this. And then Tuesday, you're like, I don't think we can do anything. Good Lord. (laughs) Raise your hand. (laughs) And by Wednesday, you're like, oh, God. That's why I used to have Wednesday church. So you jump start. That's why the scripture says the first church, they met in the temple courts like this right here. And then they met house to house. Because the Lord knew we're, we just, we're so messed up that we need another day. And this right here only takes care of a portion of the needs we have. That's why you need to gather with godly people during the week as well. And we push gatherings around here. That's not because we just need something else to push. Y'all know that, right? Hey, what can we do that just makes the, we got to do more stuff? Let's promote small groups. Okay, that's fun. No, we don't do it for that. We do it because we know that's what God has for your life. That's what God has for my life. Where you're looking, you're worshiping with all these several hundred people. But then during the week, you're meeting with these folks. Look at this, Matthew 18 and 20. For where two or three gather in my name, there I am with them. Here's the goal. And we talked about this last week. The goal is that you're with these hundreds of people on Sunday morning and it's great and it's fun and we're able to pull our resources and pull our worship and do some amazing stuff. But during the week, you're meeting with those 12. And the goal with meeting with those 12 is that you find those two or three because that's where the power really starts happening, right there. When you find those relationships that you go, all right, That's the person I want to become one with. That's the person I want to open up and share parts of myself I haven't shared with anybody else. That's where the strength begins to come. God wants to bless your relationships. But it's going to happen when we reevaluate those relationships. And that word reevaluate means what value does it have? What value does this relationship have? And what that's going to do, hopefully this week, next week, is as you begin to look at those, you place value on them, then you start putting them in their right priority, and then when you do that, 
if you're going to put them in the right proximity in your life. I'm believing in the next several weeks, we're going to hear testimonies of people that have been influenced by people that they shouldn't have been influenced by that have put some distance between them. Doesn't mean you got to be hateful. Doesn't mean you got to be mean. It just means put some distance between you and them. But then I believe God's going to start leading you to those people that you're like, all right, there's a God thing here. There's something going on. Like the first time I met Brian Larson, freshman at Ole Miss. I was preaching in Tupelo, Mississippi, and Brian came home. And they're always talking about Brian. And I met Brian. And that day, there was something that happened. I'm like, all right, this is the deal. And Brian and I have pursued that relationship. They're good, bad, ugly. When my brother died, he's one of the first I called. When his brother died, I'm one of the first he called. I could tell him, I could tell him anything. And I have other friends in my life, not many, but that are that way. I have some right now that God is showing me. There's another one right there. Go after that. I want to encourage you to do that. Encourage you to do that. Put some distance and close some distance. Let me pray for you.